I'm a grateful alcoholic. My name is George. George. I'm sitting here thinking about inventories and uh, how they were when I got here. We were joking a little bit before the meeting. I want to start off what I always start off with. I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. No one does has that right or that authority. What I have is my experience. And I have a lot of experience taking inventories. Uh, one of the things I did when I first came in here was take everybody's inventory. Uh, and I didn't know better, so I told them what I thought about them when I got here. I thought this was a bunch of losers and you guys didn't understand. I was different. All the stuff that we do to justify our own inappropriate behavior. You know, and just because we're talking about... Uh, taking a personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admit it. Uh, that's a big statement. What does promptly mean? Promptly does not mean three weeks. To me, that is not prompt. That is a form of procrastination. Uh, I stepped on a lot of toes of people when I came in here and said a lot of things because I wanted people not to like me. I was looking for a reason to walk out this door and get drunk. Uh, and I'm so grateful for the people who loved me in spite of where I was and let me become the person that you guys molded me into becoming. Uh, you know, they say, you know, uh, you know you, you're supposed to identify and not compare. Well, I sat in these rooms and compared, and that's how I took your inventory on my comparison, that you didn't drink as much as I did, you didn't have the same problems I did, you don't understand where I'm coming from, I'm different, I'm unique. And somebody said to me, lose your terminal uniqueness, you're just another drunk. And that's what I needed to hear because I'm just another drunk. And so is anybody else sitting in this room. I may have drank differently. I may have not drank the same things. I may have done more than some people and a lot less than others. Uh, it doesn't matter what brings us here. It's what we do when we get here. And that 10-step inventory is letting everybody be right where they are and respecting right where they are. It took me a very long time to get comfortable with understanding. I knew how to take inventories, all right, and I always took my own. And I, no one is as hard on me as I am on myself. Uh, I beat myself up constantly for all the things that I should have done, would have done, could have done, but didn't do. And then I sit here and feel bad for myself, and then I'll start wallowing in self-pity and remorse and guilt and shame, and the next thing I know, a drink looks good. So I had to learn to separate, and I always talk about the swinging door inventory. My sponsor said, you have a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff on your plate. Uh, when you walk into a restaurant, there's always that kitchen with that little glass triangular door. Why don't you take everything you have and put it in that, in that kitchen? And when we're ready, you and I will walk in there and we will deal with one item at one time so you don't whirl. Biggest inventory I had to do was learn to take one thing at a time. Did not know how to do that because everything was going on. And especially when I got here, my head was very busy. And whatever thought came in, that was the most important thing at the moment. If you ask me what I thought about when I first got here, I cannot tell you what went on in my head some 15-plus years ago. I can tell you that even in the morning, if I read uh, the um, morning meditation book, whichever meditation book I read, by the time I finish it, get up, go to the bathroom, and then go have a cup of coffee, I have to reopen that book because I forgot already. So my inventory is that i got a very short memory span. That's the first thing i got to know about inventory taking. So when I'm walking into a 10-step, it's assuming, first of all, I was given to do my 10-step work real early on, long before I ever hit the 10-step. My sponsor said journal because you want to put things on paper so you can see where you're at on a daily basis. And I started that when I had like uh, 60 days, maybe 90 days. I was already journaling who I spoke to, who I called. So I was my, could keep a regular with my sponsor because if he asked me at the end of the day, who did you speak to, who did you call, I wouldn't remember. My head was that busy that I had so much going on 
It was going around in circles, but I was getting nowhere. I was just a human doing. I wasn't a human being yet. So, you know, it took me a while. So my sponsor had me writing real early, and I'm real grateful for that. Um, you know, so I walk in here with a whole bunch of wrong thinking, wrong actions, and wrong attitudes, and I'm taking my insides and measuring them by everybody else's outsides. You know, they say, uh, if you see what you want, you'll take it home with you. I always tell the story of one of my friends. We're friends. She has three more months than I do. She's the first speaker I saw in AA, and that was one of the cliches I heard when I first got here. So when I saw her, I figured I'd take her home with me. Uh, so I went over and I started talking to her, and I started defocusing from the program. My sponsor was kind enough to take my inventory. I take my sponsee's inventory. Uh, I do judge people, you know, and I hear a lot of things about judgment. I better judge people. I want to know who I want to be around. So my sponsor took my inventory and told me that I could not hang out with this person unless I was in a group of 15 or more, and I uh, couldn't go for coffee for, with them for a year. I asked him if he was nuts. He said, no, but you are, and you don't have a right to make somebody sicker than they already are. He took my inventory quite well, too. Uh, and we became best friends. We're still best friends. And we do 12-step calls together, and we've done big book studies together, and we've done step meetings together. And we've done a lot of things together. But I am so grateful that I didn't act out on that impervious, that, that urge that I had, that uh, looking for a little uh, vicarious pleasure, as the book talks about, because it would have been all wrong. And because I took that restraint that we're going to talk about in that inventory, I have a great friend, which I probably wouldn't have had I acted out on inappropriate behavior. The 10 step keeps me from making wreckage of the present by taking an inventory. And that's real important for me because I have enough wreckage of the past I still haven't cleared up, and that's 15-plus years later. It all didn't go away because I stopped drinking. What I try and do on a daily basis is not make wreckage of the present. Can't say I haven't done that. I've done that in sobriety. Uh, so, you know, we're here talking about an, a, a, what, what I'm walking into a 10-step with. I walk in here with excesses, liabilities, criticism, negative emotions, I'm full of fear. I got a lot of anger going on. I'm jealous. I have love to think about death and how I'm going to die because I'm sitting in the rooms. I feel like I'm dying when I first got here. Uh, I was thinking you guys were all joy killers. You wouldn't let me do what I wanted. Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, rehashing all the stuff of the past. I was full of sin. With anything to me, and I always use the word for sin is anything that was selfish in nature. So I was still selfish and self-centered. Um, I was uh, full of disturbance. I was hurting people. I was justifying my inappropriate actions. I had a temper. I was had still held grudges. Um, I was still miserable. I still was envious, full of self-pity. Had a lot of hurt pride. Um, I was uh, full of disagreement. I was still demanding. I was anxious. I was neglectful of a lot of things. I still rationalized, criticized, and argumentative. I still punished people and gossiped about people. Um, I was full of depression. Uh, I was looking for attention. I had very little regret. I felt self-righteous. Uh, I was hasty. I was rash. I was judgmental. I was power-driven. I always talk about my three higher powers when I came in here was money, property, and prestige. And I found out as I stayed here long enough, taking an inventory long enough, that diverts me from my singleness of purpose. That diverts me from carrying the message to the alcoholic who suffers. That sixth tradition is so important to understanding that that is what diverts me from you guys because it's about other things. It's about the material, not the spiritual. And for me, I've learned by being here long enough, taking enough inventories, that my spiritual well-being has to come before the material because if I have it, the, if I have it backwards, I'm drinking again. 
It's just for me. I was still full of pride. I still sulked. I still was scorning people silently, thinking they were so wrong for what they did. I still had temptation. I was still uh, uh, vengeful. I had a lot of emotional booby traps. As soon as my uh, ex-wife would call, immediately I was in a tirade. Uh, my mother used to say, uh, would push my buttons. I love that expression. And my sponsor used to say, she's not pushing your buttons. She installed them. She just knows how to get to you. And it was all the way I looked at things. It was all about my perception, which was warped and twisted. So I was full of problems. I definitely was disagreeable. I um, was very material. I indulged myself. I looked at my successes before I got here and lived on the past a lot. And was worrying about the future, and I was... Ruining the day, I could not get into the gift of the present. Um, I still fantasized. I still was bored. And every time I tell my sponsor I was bored, he says, you should be bored. You're boring. You're not doing anything to make life interesting. So, I, I, you know, I had a lot of dislike and I was full of hate. I hated everybody and everything. I guess I did not know how to get along with my fellow man. This is what I walk into the 10 step with. Even though I've cleaned up wreckage, even though I'm getting into the realm of the spirit, I still have those defects of character directly under my skin. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a little while, uh, where we talk about what we're given as a daily reprieve contingent on our spiritual well-being. I believe I'm given a reprieve from my character defects. I said to all, when we're doing the sixth and seventh step, I built the house in six and seven because my defects are always with me and they will always show themselves. It may not have a 24-hour reprieve from some of my defects, but as soon as I have that awareness, I have a seven-step to return it over to God and get more God-like so I don't stay in that defect because those defects are my killers. And the 10-step talks all about those defects. So this brings us to the 10-step now, uh, which suggests that we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living when we cleaned up the past. Cleaning up the past is the fourth step through the ninth step. That's where I clean up my past. And uh, there was a lot of stuff to clean up. And it didn't go away in nine months, and some of it didn't go away for years. And some of it still hasn't gone away. And I still get to clean it up. My past is still part of me. Uh, I'm, and it's a learning stick for me. Uh, we entered into the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. Uh, we should continue to watch, uh, it, should, uh, it should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That's your fourth step right there. When they crop up, we ask God to remove them. That's step six and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately. That's a fifth step. And we make amends quickly if we harmed anyone. That's step eight and nine. Uh, and then we resultly turn our thoughts to someone we can help beginning at a 12th step. Uh, love and tolerance of others is our code. Now, if you're like me, I love the people I love, and the rest of you guys I just tolerate. But I've learned that through that toleration, and I always talk about the people that intimidated me when I got here. There was a woman who uh, uh, I know very well. Uh, she became my A mom when, she came, when I came in here. Uh, <coughs> Marion S. I'm not going to lose, use her last name because uh, I didn't get her permission. Uh, uh, she used to be in a room, and she's a tough old lady, and she's a good old lady. And uh, she used to really intimidate me, and my sponsor said, I want you to sit next to her and get to know her. Not only to get to know her, her son and I used to use together. He came in a year before me, and we're best friends, Johnny S. And uh, I just spoke to him today. So here I am, 
already judging somebody, already came to a conclusion of a fact that wasn't true. And this lady, when my children, I had to give them up legally, was right there to help me. And she became a great friend, and she's still, she's like my AA mom. When my mom died, my sponsor suggested I get a surrogate mom in AA, and Marionette became my AA mom, and I love her to death. So it goes to show you my perception of what's real isn't. That's why I have a sponsor, and that's why we talk about this word guidance, and we'll talk about that more next week, but it's a very important part of having <coughs> guidance of another human being to point me in a direction so I can take a clear look at myself, not a jaded look. Uh, it says, now we cease fighting in anything, even alcohol, for by this time, uh, sanity will have returned. We are seldom interested in liquor. If we attempt it, we recoil from it like a hot flame. Sanity has returned. Somewhere between step two and step ten, I actually get to think sanely. I get to think to good purpose. Uh, I didn't know how to do that when I got here. I just knew what I knew when I got here, and I didn't know how to turn that around to have any kind of purpose other than a selfish, self-centered motive. I didn't know how to be giving. I didn't know how to be considerate. I learned that in these rooms through steps and through sponsorship and through many, many meetings. Uh, it tells us we react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given to us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We had not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. The thinking about drinking has been taken out of me. And it, I don't know when it happened, but I know it happened. I don't, it didn't happen right away. I sat in these rooms for a long time desiring to drink. And my inventory every day was based on the thinking of drinking. And one day I woke up and I told my, and I told this story last week, called my sponsor, said, I didn't think about drinking today. He says, good, whatever you did today, do it tomorrow. I don't know what I did. He said, but whatever you did today, do it tomorrow. And I got up and did the same five things I've been doing since I got, up, since I got here. I pray it in the morning and night. I ask a God in my understanding to help keep me sober and not tagged out inappropriately. I surrender to that God. I read some literature. I go to a meeting and I speak to another alcoholic. And at the end of the day, I say, thank you. That's not a lot of stuff to do. Do a little reading, a little bit. You know, that's a nice price to pay for this thing called peace. Peace of mind. Uh, it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. Um, this is our experience. This is how we act so long as we keep in spiritual condition. What is spirit? Spit? Fit, yeah. fit, fit spiritual condition. What is fit spiritual condition? For an alcoholic like me, that means not drinking today. Some days that's as spiritually fit as I can be. Uh, and some days it's a lot more. Uh, you know, when I'm not feeling good, just not drinking is enough. Uh, but most of the time it's not. I need to speak, reach out to another alcoholic no matter whether I'm not drinking or not. Those are things I learned that I have to do in order to stay in the center of this program. Uh, it's easy to let up on a spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for uh, trouble if we do. For Alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. It's not alcoholism, it's alcoholism. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These thoughts must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we want. It's the proper use of the will. Now, when I got here, I went to a uh, big book seminar when 
first got here, and they used to give out a daily inventory sheet in that little packet. I'm going to read this one because this is not the one I use, but it's the very first one I ever came across. It's a daily inventory, and on one side it talks about the personality characters of self-will and the personality characteristics of God's will. And it says selfish and, and self-seeking, interest in others, negative and positive, dishonest, honest, frightened, courage, inconsiderate, considerate, pride, humility, seeking God's will, greed, giving or sharing, lustful, watching what we can do for others, anger, calm, envy, grateful, sloth, take action, gluttony, moderation, impatient, patient, intolerant, tolerant, resentment, forgiven, hate, love, and concern for others, harmful acts, good deeds, self-pity, self-forgetfulness, self-justification, humility, seeking God's will, self-importance, modesty, self-condemnation, self-forgiveness, suspicion, trust, doubt, and faith. First inventory I ever saw when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. As I sat here and I read the big book, because it tells us what to do with our inventory, uh, and I read the 12 and 12, I started getting a different look at that inventory. And I want to talk a little bit about inventories, because all inventories are not alike. They are basically have the same purpose. Uh, one distinguishes one from the other. One is a spot check inventory, taken at any time of the day. There we can take, uh, there's one we take at the day's end, where we view the happenings of the hours just past, where we can cast the balance sheet, crediting ourselves for the things well done, chalking up debts we're due. Uh, then there is those occasions when alone or in the company of a sponsor or spiritual advisor, we review our progress since the last time. Many of us go in for an annual or semi-annual house cleaning. Many of us also like to experience the, uh, the, uh, re the retreats, the spiritual retreats, which is something I really enjoy, where we can quiet down for an undisturbed day or so for a self-overhauling and meditation. Ten Step talks about meditation. Uh, uh, it says, aren't these practices a joy killers as well as time consumers? Most AAs spend most of their waking hours drearily re rehashing the sins of omission or commission. There's two kinds of lies I was told. The lie I tell you and the lie I tell you, I don't tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. A lie is a lie. It's like I always say, you're, you know, there's no such thing as a little bit pregnant. Either you are or you aren't. Either you're lying or you're not. So the way around the lie is to get honest. Uh, so, you know, that, those are the two lies we make. Um, it, uh, I just lost myself. All right. It's, and then it tells us that once uh, the healthy practice of inventory has become grooved, it will, it will be so interesting and profitable that time won't be missed. For these minutes and sometimes hours spent in self-examination are bound to make the other hours of our days better and happier. And at length, our inventories become a regular part of our daily, everyday living, rather than something unusual set apart. You know, when I first started doing my inventories, I used to sit down at uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, say my prayers, and then do my inventory. And I did that my first three years of my recovery. I actually did a written inventory uh, for the first three years, and uh, I stopped doing it all of a sudden. I didn't, I did a mental inventory, and then I went back to writing, journaling, and then I went back to doing it a different way. And in my third year, when all this was going on, I started re-looking at the big book, and the 12, the, the, 
12 steps, the 12 and 12, at the 10th step and the 11th step. And I'm going to bring the 11th step in now because the beginning of the 11th step tells us to go back and do a nightly inventory. So part of our 11th step is doing that nightly inventory. So, and we'll talk about that in detail next week because I love that. The 11th step says go back and do a 10th step. It's really what it tells me to do. By taking that inventory, I'm actually reflecting on my day, which is a form of meditation. And then if I make a mistake, I can ask God to take that mistake away from me and ask me to be a better person for tomorrow. Very simple way to get into meditation. And if you're someone like me that couldn't sit still for a minute, that reflection of doing an inventory was great. Gave me a chance to quiet down. Uh, and then it, there comes, uh, here comes the spiritual axiom. It's my favorite thing. Whenever I'm disturbed, it says, it's a spiritual axiom that every time I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with us. If somebody hurts us and we're sore, uh, are we in the wrong also? There are no exceptions to the rule. What about justified anger? Now, my anger is always justified. I don't know it any other way. When I get angry, I'm right and you're wrong. It's that simple. And it's always justified. And my sponsor made it real clear to me. He says, George, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? I used to say I want to be right. He said, stay miserable. Uh, When I told him I wanted to be happy, he said to me, then pray for that person. One great way of getting rid of anger of that I feel towards someone else is when I pray for them. Uh, if someone cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can't we properly ang- be angry with the self-righteous folk? For us in AA, these are a dangerous exception. We found that justified anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it. When someone's re- when I'm really angry and I and I want to talk to the person I'm angry at, the first thing I have to learn is not to go talk to them. My sponsor said, count to 10, in your case, count to 10, and then count to 10 again, pray about it, call me, and then go talk to them. Because by the, that time, you may calm down a little, because I would go into rage. It used to be my favorite feeling. Uh, few people are victimized by resentments than we alcoholics. It mattered little whether our resentment was justified or not. A burst of temper could spoil a... Uh, a it could spoil a day, and a well-nourished grudge could make us miserably ineffective. Nor were we ever skilled in separating justified from unjustified. Anger, the occasional luxury of more balanced people, could keep us on an emotional jag. This is the big thing, emotional sobriety. Uh, emotional jag indefinitely. The emotional dry bend is often led straight to the bottles. Other kinds of disturbances, jealousy, envy, Self-pity or hurt pride did the same thing. So it tells me not only do I got to worry about my resentments anymore, now I'm looking for hurt pride, jealousy, envy. Now you guys are building more on to me to look out for if I want to stay balanced. That's the big word that I had a lot of problems with when I got here. It was either black or white. And it tells us in all our situations, and it talks about self-restraint, it talks about self-restraint. I had a lot of problems with self-restraint because I felt I was right and you guys just didn't understand. And it tells us a spot check inventory taken in the midst of any of these disturbances can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. My biggest problem is I reacted. I never knew how to respond to anything. If you stepped on my toes, I usually punched you right in the face and then apologized for that later and then felt guilty and bad. That's the way I behaved my whole life. I would retaliate in kind. I would. I always tell the story when I was in college. There was a guy who threw a 
drink at somebody at the bar, and I can remember this story well, and I was just very upset. It was some girl's birthday. She started crying. She was upset, and I felt bad for the girl. So I stood outside with a bear mug, and as he walked through the door, I cracked that bear mug across his face. Didn't think twice about it. I was justified in getting even for that girl. I had no business doing that, but that's the way I always behaved. And that, to me, was justified. So now if I take a, you know, a little bit of a spot check on that, I probably wouldn't have hit that guy. I probably may have went over and said something. But I didn't deserve to put him into a hospital the way I did and break a beer mug. You know, that, that's all. But that's the way I behaved. Whether I was drinking or not, I didn't even have a drink at that time. I was just holding the beer mug, waiting for the guy. It was very, very wrong behavior. The quick inventory is a... Is a Aimed at our daily ups and downs, especially those people or new events that throw off voice balance and tempt us to make mistakes. And that was a mistake. And it tempted me. And me, when I was tempted, I bit at the temptation. I always bit at the temptation because I didn't know the big thing we're going to talk about from the 10th step. In all situations, we need, this is the big thing, self-restraint. Now, if you're like me, restraint is probably the hardest thing to do. I say things to people not meaning to hurt them, even on a regular basis, kidding around in, a, in an inappropriate matter without realizing it's inappropriate, and I can throw ruin a good relationship with somebody over that, and I've done that already. Honest analysts of what's involved, a willingness to admit when the fault is ours, and an equal willingness to forgive when the fault is elsewhere. We need, we need not be discouraged when we fall into the errors of our old ways. The, for these disciplines are not easy. We shall look for progress, not perfection. You know, I hear a lot of people say this program is about progress, not perfection. This is the only time it talks about actual progress, not perfection. In how it works, it talks about spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. What I'm striving for is to grow spiritually. In this area, being I'm human, I, have, I will fall short. And I need to work on progressing and I use the measuring stick of my character defects on how well I don't act out on them as my growth to see that progress. I will never be 100%. I will never do an inventory where it's all positive. It has not happened yet. The day I do that, I believe, is the day I get buried. That's the day I have that inventory. Uh, our first objective will be the development of self-restraint. It carries a top priority rating. When we speak or act Rashly, ra rashly, or the ability to be fair-minded and tolerant evaporates on the spot. One unkind tirade or willful snap judgment can ruin our relationship with another human being for a whole day or maybe a whole year. Nothing pays off like restraint from pen and tongue. We must avoid quick-tempered criticism and furious power-driven argument. The same goes for sulking and silent scorn. These are emotional booby traps baited with pride and vengefulness. Our first job is to sidestep these traps. If you know when my pride is hurt, I'm going to retaliate at you. If I know that I want to get even, I'm setting myself up to be vengeful, I'm setting myself up for trouble. So one of the things I learned to do is our sixth and seventh step, uh, our, our four-step prayer on page 67 and uh, 66 where it says, though people wronged us, they like ourselves are sick too. We ask God to save us from being angry. How can I be helpful to this sick person? And that's something that I use in all times of disturbances because usually what I'm doing is I'm not liking the way somebody else is behaving. And what I'm really doing is taking my insides on what I believe is right and wrong and putting them on someone else's outsides, and I don't have that right. 
Although people do that to me too. They don't have that right. So I go back to what I was taught real early on. What others think of me is none of my business. What I think about me is none of my business. What is my business is what God thinks about me. And God loves me unconditionally. And that's the way I'm supposed to behave towards others. I don't do that very well every day. Uh, when we are tempted by debate, we should train ourselves to step back and think. For we can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint is be, becomes automatic. That, to me, is probably one of the greatest tools I've got, is self-restraint. Because my old days, if you said something to me, I would probably hit you first and apologize later and then feel lousy about it after that. Uh, today, I can walk away. I don't have to get argumentative. Uh, like if somebody will say something to me and it's in an argumentative way, I'm saying, I'll say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Pray for me. I need the help and I'll walk away from it. And then I'll go pray for them uh, so I don't carry that burden of resentment. So, that, you know, I've learned some tools to use so I don't react. I've learned to respond to situations. And that's what this 10-step is teaching me. How do I respond appropriately? Uh, finally, that we see that all people, including ourselves to some extent, is emotionally ill as well as frequently wrong. And when we approach true tolerance, we see what, the, uh, what real love of our fellows actually means. It will become more and more evident as we go forward. It is pointless to become angry or to get hurt by people uh, who, like us, are suffering from the pains of growing up. What this is really all about is I'm still a little selfish, self-centered little kid. I want to stamp my feet and tell you what I want, and you better give it to me the way I want it, or else. You know, there is no more or else. You know, when I look at the 10 step, one of the greatest things we talk about is the two different kinds of hangovers there is. There's the first kind of hangover we all talk about, which is the hangover from drinking. We all know about that one. But then there's the other kind of hangover that I don't want to have anymore, and that's the emotional hangover. And it says, it says, when a drunk has a terrific hangover because he drank heavily yesterday, he cannot live well today. But there's another kind of hangover we all experience, whether we're drinking or not. We all experience it. So it's not unique to me or anybody else in this room when they're having a bad day because they're on an emotional jag and their life ain't feeling comfortable. They're not alone. They're not the first one to go through this. But there's things we can do. It says that... The emotional hangover is a direct result of yesterday's and sometimes today's excesses of negative emotions. Negative emotions is where I lived my whole life. That's why I drank. Now I can't drink. What do I do with these negative emotions? Well, I pray about them, and then I try and push them aside and go help another person so they don't stay with me too long. That's what I do. But what are the negative emotions that lead me there? It tells us what they are. It tells us that anger, fear, jealousy, and the like. If we live serenely today and tomorrow, we certainly need to eliminate these hangovers. It doesn't mean we need uh, to wander morbidly around in the past. It requires an admission and correction of our errors now. Our inventory enables us to settle with the past. When this is done, we are really able to leave it behind us. Um, when our inventory is carefully taken, we have made peace with ourselves. The conviction follows that tomorrow's challenges can be met as they come. By the inventory-taking process that I've gone through, I've learned that I can be at peace. And in the fourth step, we talked about that. And the tenth step is really a continuation of the fourth step on a daily basis. Step four says we took a moral, a searching and fearless moral inventory, which means we wrote an inventory. And step says we, says we continue to take an inventory. We're continuing our fourth step on a daily basis so we don't add 
to have to go back and make a new four step in a lot of cases. So I have to be, you know, aware of what I'm really doing when I'm doing this because I want to be emotionally comfortable in my own skin. So I'm doing it on a daily basis as I'm doing my four step. Now I get into this thing, I've only done one four step, I do it in ten step. I don't get into that. If you're taking only one four step in your life and that's the only one you're taking and you've been here for years and years and years, God bless you and it works for you, that's great. If you have to take a four step every year annually with a sponsor or you go in once every three years or five years and that works for you, go for it. I'm not here to tell anybody what they need to do. I'm telling you what I do. I do a four-step every year. I do a ten-step every day. Even though I do a ten-step at the end of the year, I look at see out what I've gotten and where I need growth, and I go over it with my sponsor, and then I do a ten-step inventory, and I do a four-step, whether it be written about a job or whether it be written about my children, and I do a whole four-step on that. I want to call it a ten. I don't get hung up on that. I don't get hung up on which one it is. I do the work that's laid out before me by the man that I love enough that leads me. Uh, it tells us, uh, we get, uh, it will become more and more evident as we go forward that, and pointless to become angry with, uh, with people who are sick like us and they're suffering from growing up. Now either I, you know, I, there used to be a guy in here by the name of Dennis O when I first got here. And Dennis used to say, this is not a program for snot-nosed kids, it's for men and women who not only need to grow up, but want to grow up. And that's what the 10th step is. This is where I start growing up. It says, uh, such a radical change in our, in our outlook will take time, maybe a lot of time. Not many people can truly assert that they love everybody. Most of us admit that we uh, have loved but a few, that we were been quite indifferent to the many, so as long as none of them gave us any trouble. And as far as the remainder, well, we really dislike or hated them. Although these attitudes are common enough, we AAs find that we need something much better in order to keep our balance. We can't stand if we hate too deeply. The idea, the idea that uh, we can be possibly loving to a few, can ignore the many, and continue to to fear or hate anybody has to be abandoned, if only in a little bit of time. I'll tell you, over the time I've been here, there are very few people I dislike or hate or I'm afraid of. There's a lot of that has been taken away from me, just like my desire to drink has been taken away. God has blessed me with grace, and step 10 is a lot about grace for me. Um, whenever we fail, any of these people, we can promptly admit it to ourselves always and to them also, when our admission would be helpful. Courtesy, kindness, justice, and love. These are the keynotes to which we may come into harmony with practically anybody. Uh, when in doubt, we can always pause, saying, Thy will, not mine, be done. And we can often ask ourselves, Am I doing to others as I would have them do to me today? One of my prayers that was given to me when I got here is, May I treat everybody today the way I want to be treated tomorrow. And if I say that, and I act out that way, and I'm treating you that way, even if you don't treat me that way, I can turn around and understand that you may not be spiritually centered at that moment in time, and you're right where you're supposed to be. That is not the guy that walked in this room. Uh, when evening comes, and it talks about the balance sheet again, and I'm going to go over a balance sheet. Uh, it tells us, and the balance sheet that I use, this is the balance sheet, I brought some for the guys, if you guys want them, I'm going to read it. It tells us today, and this is a combination of the big book and the 12 and 12, but I broke it down into a very simple thing because like most of my, the people I work with, they don't like to do a lot of work. They're lazy. I don't know where that comes from. 
so procrastination is a big thing. So I made it real simple because I need to keep it simple for me because I don't want to spend hours writing all this stuff that I read. So to me, I put a date and it says, today was I. Selfish, yes or no. Dishonest, yes or no. Uh, resentful, yes or no, or afraid. These are all yes or no answers, except for one place, and I'll go over that. Did I ask God to remove them when they cropped up? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentfulness, and fear. Have I harmed anyone? Did I make amends quickly? Do I owe an apology? Did I turn my thoughts to someone I can help? Did I practice love, tolerance, patience, and kindliness towards all? Did I carry the vision of God's will into all my activities? How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Uh, here's my favorite part. What could I have done better? Not been a day that I couldn't have done something better. Not a day yet that I've answered all of those yes. After I get through that, and then you know, I leave room on the back because three lines is not enough for me for what I could have done better. Uh, then it talks about the second part of the, the balance sheet in the uh, book. It says, was I thinking of myself? Was I thinking of what I could do for others? Was I thinking of what I could pack into the stream of life? Did I drift into worry? Did I drift into remorse? Did I drift into morbid reflection? Did I ask God's forgiveness? Did I inquire of God what action should be taken? Now, that's a pretty simple inventory. It doesn't take long. I just read it in less than five minutes, so that's as long as it takes, except for depending on how much I want to write about what I could have done better. Uh, so I have to do this daily thing that I do, and you can either memorize it, you can do it any way you want, but the idea is to keep taking them. Uh, so here I am now taking this inventory, and it tells us, you know, when the evening comes, and I've done this balance sheet, it says when evening comes, and perhaps going to sleep, we may draw up a balance sheet for the day, and that was the balance sheet. This is a good place to remember that inventory taking is not always done in red ink. It's not all bad. There's good in that, and that's a good thing. It's a poor day indeed when we haven't done something right. As a matter of fact, the waking hours are usually filled with things that are constructive, good intentions, good thoughts, good acts are there for us to see. See, my problem is I'm blind and I forget and I don't do what we're talking about it today. I don't do compliments real well. I have a problem with that. Somebody tries to say something nice about me, I always downplay it. I don't know how to accept a compliment. I don't feel worthy of one. And I'm here a long time. I still struggle with that. But in my inventory, I know that's not true. And it's real hard for me to just say thank you when somebody says something nice to me. It took me a long time. It was very hard for me to say please or you're welcome. I learned that in here. Uh, even when we have tried hard and failed, we may chalk this up to one of the greatest credits of all. Under these conditions, the pains of failure are converted into assets. It tells me in our literature that my defects will become my assets. All that negative becomes something positive. It's a transformation. I like to call it the metamorphosis of Alcoholics Anonymous, where these good qualities start running my life. Uh, it tells us, out of them we receive the stimulation we need to go forward. How heartily we as agree uh, with this individual who knew us pretty well, who remarked um, uh, that pain is the cornerstone of all spiritual growth. We had to know the pains of drinking had to come before sobriety and emotional turmoil before serenity. So what it tells me that emotional turmoil the other side of that is peace, serenity. What a wonderful thing that is. So when I'm in a whirling, like I was all day today, I know the other side of that is peace of mind, serenity. All I have to do is the footwork and take the inventory to see where I can clean up whatever's in front of me 
and what I can to give God and ask him for direction and help to get me to a place where I can handle those situations. So, uh, it tells us in other instances, the closest scrutiny we reveal, it tells us when prideful, jealous, angers, or fearful, we acted accordingly. Uh, and that was that. We, here we need only to recognize that we did think or act badly, try to visualize how we might have done better and, and resolve with God's help to carry these lessons into tomorrow, making course any amends that we neglected. I don't like to go to sleep owing somebody an amend. It does not let me sleep real well. If I owe someone an apology for something I did, I like to try and clean it up on that day now. At the beginning, I liked three weeks, two months. You know, that was immediate to me. As I stay here, I can't afford to wait that long because it deteriorates me from the inside, and I want that inside to be whole. Uh, it says, in other instances, the closest scrutiny will reveal that our true motives were. There are cases where the ancient enemy, rationalization, has stepped in. Uh, that's a big one for me. And has justified conduct, which is really wrong. The temptation here is to imagine that we had a good motive uh, and reasons when we really hadn't. This is where my sponsor comes in with me in my inventory. I speak to my sponsor about my inventories. And we find out sometimes because I don't always know my motives. I don't see myself clearly. That's why, why you know, in, in uh, the uh, book talks about guidance or a spiritual guide. And uh, in meditation, we used to talk about morning watch, where you write down your morning thoughts. And we'll talk a lot about that next week with meditation. And then I'm accountable to someone else. So I know if I practice the four absolutes and I ask those questions, is it absolutely honest? Is it pure? Is it unselfish? And is it loving? If there's a yes to all those, then it came of God. But there's been a, I've been here a long time, and maybe three times in all the years that I've practiced those four absolutes to the questions I believe came from God in my 10th and 11th step. Uh, only three times has that been really of God. The rest of the time, it's been either rationalization or wishful thinking. So I've got to be real careful with that. And this is where my sponsor helps me in my 10th step. Um, it says we, uh, it tells us, uh, an honest regret for harms done, a genuine gratitude for blessings received, and a willingness to try for better things tomorrow be the permanent assets we shall see. That's a lot of things to be asking for that is positive. Having considered a day, not omitting to take due note of things well done, and having searched our hearts with neither fear nor favor, we can thank God for the blessings we have, sleep, have received and sleep in good conscience. You know, for the first few months, I could not sleep. My head was not very good. I didn't have good conscience. I don't have a bad conscience today. I can sleep in good conscience. The things that I've gotten out of doing this step on a positive note, the principles, and the principle is, you know, something I believe in. It's a belief. That's what a principle is. Uh, from all those negative things that I read, at the, you know, that I that I stated at the beginning, I came out of here with continuance. I know what personal inventories are. I learned to what promptly means. Oh, that was a big one. Uh, I learned about it being admittance, and I learned about preparing and being practical. I've learned what emotional balance is, something I never had before I got here. Uh, I learned what it was to have purpose. I learned about conditioning and assets, and I learned about learning and desire and growth and self-serving and being wise and learning about acceptance and searching and perseverance and persistence and correction of errors. Uh, I learned about patience and to be serene. And I learned what immediacy is about, what it's something immediately means immediately, not a month from now. 
Uh, I learned about being careful and peaceful. I learned about convictions and principles and timing. Time is very important. <clears throat> I learned about balance and about review and progress. And I learned about spirituality. I learned about quiet time. And that we'll talk about in step 11. Uh, I learned about house cleaning, overhauling, meditation. I learned about happiness, which is something I didn't think I ever was going to get when I got here, to be happy. Because it was about the inside that was changing, not the outside. I learned about spiritual truth and consideration and self-restraint. I learned about honesty, more about honesty, and more about willingness and forgiveness and discipline and being fair-minded. Uh, I had an objective view towards other people instead of being a selfish, self-centered view. I had a more giving view of other people. I learned about tolerance and action and thoughtfulness, self-control, good purpose, restraint. I learned about what it means to be sober. I learned about grace, esteem, vigilance, helpfulness, and understanding. I learned about my motives. I learned about keeping the amends process going on a daily basis so I don't have to add to it later on. I learned about scrutiny, correction, character building, good living, gratitude, blessings, being thankful. I learned about gratitude. I learned a lot more about God in Step 10. And the most important things I learned about it was the courtesy, kindness, justice, love, good good harmony with other people, and most importantly is a new God consciousness. A God consciousness that I didn't have because if I didn't sit and write this and see the positive things, I would still focus on the negative because my thinking is never look at the good side of things. I don't feel worthy of a lot of things. I feel that I've hurt a lot of people. I still carry regrets, but because of the inventory process, my warped perception of who I am is not who I am. I've learned that because I have someone I share that with and they let me know by the things I've done that I have a much better measuring stick. If God has forgiven me and have, you know, and, and has forgiven me, and he has, why do I still beat myself up knowing God loves me totally? Why can't I love myself totally? Because I need an inventory to show me that I'm not as bad as I think I am and I'm not as good as I tell you I am. Somewhere in there is the truth that God has given me that I'm okay in my own skin today. And that's what my 10th step gives me, the ability to stay in my own skin and know I'm okay, and I'm not the bad person. I believe in my own mind, that warped perception I still carry. And I know that God has forgiven me, and if I, if I can, can forgive me, then I have to forgive everybody else. One of the worst lines when I first got here that bothered me the most is you're right where you're supposed to be. I will tell you, over the years, I am right where I'm supposed to be. And as I stay here, I see the picture unfold very slowly for me. A little bit more, and a little bit more grace comes in. A little bit more awareness comes in. And a lot more love comes in for my fellow man. My job today is to be of maximum service to God and my fellows. My maximum service is not to be, what does George want and how does he get it? It's a big change from the person that walked in. But I had to do all the steps to this point to get that closeness to the God of my understanding. And my tenth step keeps me very close to the God of my understanding. We'll talk about step 11 next week. Thanks for letting me share.